Welcome to today's edition of the Rush 24-7 Podcast. It's always an honor to fill in for Rush Limbaugh today, ever more so, because it means that our beloved Maha Rushi is out doing what needs to be done as the mayor of Reelsville, addressing what needs to be addressed. You know that uh, our beloved Rush has been diagnosed with advanced lung cancer. Understand something. Uh, Rush is not diagnosed with lack of optimism. He was not diagnosed with lack of happiness because he is Rush Limbaugh. And people beat these things, and Rush Limbaugh will beat these things. So he's doing what needs to be done today. And talking to the staff, one of the requests of this, I understand this comes from the boss himself. When we take your calls at 800-282-2882, we know you love Rush. And a couple things that you can say is mega prayers and mega dittos. Rush wants the show to be about the show. He wants the show to be about doing what guest hosts like I and Mark Stein try to do when you sit in for the guy who defined this medium, and that is that we try to do what we can to provide you with the information you're used to, not at the level Rush can do, because it can't be done, Uh, but we try our very, very best. We're going to join the President of the United States, uh, who's going to give a speech to address the the failed impeachment effort. I have this image of, there's just this comparison, that you have the President's schedule today literally packed with work. And so he, he's down to work. Mitch McConnell is down to the work of now putting up five judges to change the direction of the judiciary in this country. Meanwhile, I, got, I had this image of Nancy Pelosi kind of, you know, uh, five or six bottles of gin into the morning and rolling around the dumpsters, like looking for more paper to tear. Where's Nancy? She's still in the dumpster. Maybe someone could go get her out. Maybe one of the Kennedys, who is very familiar with sort of alcohol abuse or things like that, could maybe go get her out of the dumpster, sober her up, give her some coffee, uh, something like that. So the president is going to speak. We're going to join that in progress. I wanted to make a comparison. And the comparison I want to make is between Rush Limbaugh, who was rightly given the highest civilian honor uh, that, that one can receive, the president of the United States, presented Rush, of course, uh, with the Medal of Freedom. And if you watch this, if you did not, you can go to RushLimbaugh.com, uh, click on the link in the upper left-hand corner, and you can watch this for yourself. But watching Rush receive this honor, was it, it was amazing because Rush did not expect this, is what I saw. And I want you to hear again the President of the United States presenting Rush Limbaugh uh, with the Medal of Honor. Let's roll that. Almost every American family knows the pain when a loved one is diagnosed with a serious illness. Here tonight is a special man, beloved by millions of Americans, who just received a stage four advanced cancer diagnosis. This is not good news, but what is good news is that he is the greatest fighter and winner that you will ever meet. Rush Limbaugh, thank you for your decades of tireless devotion to our country. And Rush, in recognition of all that you have done for our nation, the millions of people a day that you speak to and that you inspire, and all of the incredible work that you have done for charity, I am proud to announce tonight that you will be receiving our country's highest civilian honor, the Presidential Medal of Freedom. And 
Ahmed Maharashi's jaw dropped, and he was so thankful, and is so thankful. I want to compare that uh, to Mitt Romney. <laughs> I know the comparison is absurd. It is absurd. Yeah, I know. Mike Mamone, the broadcast engineer, just said, way to bring down the <laughs> So you have Rush receive this Medal of Honor. Let me make a case for this. Not that it needs to be made. You have a man, um, Rush Limbaugh, who stood up to the President of the United States and the DNC running billboards to try to end his program. And I was in Washington, D.C., working at that time for the Republican National Committee. I had just begun that job, as a matter of fact, as the chief digital strategist there. And I, I found out that, that a lot of Republicans are afraid of Rush uh, in the Beltway. Uh, and Rush responded in the most brilliant manner I've ever heard. I, I, I pulled over on the side of the road when I heard this. And we tried to find the audio, but I made the request late. So the team found the show notes, etc. We didn't quite get the audio, but I remember this. That Rush came on this program and he said, Mr. President, I know the plan. I'm paraphrasing. I know the plan. Pick a target, isolate it, cut it off from its support base. You think you can cut me off from my advertisers. You cannot, but that's not my support base. And Rush said, folks, that you are his support base. This audience is his support base. The biggest audience ever amassed under the radio medium is his support base. And he said to the president, you can't separate me and my listeners. And then it got even better. Rush said, I have an idea. Why don't you and I get together and talk about our differences? You could fly down here in Air Force One. He said, but you know what? Never mind. I will fly up in EIB one and pick you up. My plane is nicer than yours. And then you can ride back with me, fly back with me. And I can teach you what it's like to ride in an airplane you own. With money you earned, not by force of taxation, but because you provide a value and a product to people. So, Mr. President, take me up on this offer and we can chat. And he also said, and I'll let you know, I've prepared my entire life for someone like you to come along. The billboards were gone within a couple of days because Rush Limbaugh battled for freedom and freedom of speech and freedom to express himself in ways that Republicans in the Beltway at the time were terrified to do. And I'm not speaking out of school. I know this because I was in the room, in the Republican National Committee conference room, when we were told that Mitch McConnell, who, by the way, brilliant job with impeachment, absolutely brilliant, getting back to the judiciary. I love seeing this for Mitch. We got word from Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan that we were not to fight Obamacare. We were to let it pass. And then compare that with Rush and the fight for freedom and the fight for free speech and the fight for you to understand that. By the way, as you call in today, it's your boss's request. Stay focused on the content. Keep the show moving. Mega prayers, mega dittos, and get to your comments. Now, the comparison to Mitt Romney and we're going to join the president uh, when he comes out. The president is about to give a speech, so we'll go live to that when it occurs. I want to compare this to Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney has fashioned this notion that a phone call is the most, what did he say, obscene, the most, most clear violation of the Constitution that he's ever seen. This man ran against Barack Obama. I did not hear Mitt Romney. Say to Barack Obama, you were wrong to use the Internal Revenue Service to target 
born free Americans to keep them out of the electoral process. To go to people and demand that they write essays on books they've read, on dreams they've had. The IRS did this all in an effort to keep Republicans and conservatives out of the electoral process. They demanded the list of donors for groups that don't have to disclose these. That is illegal. The IRS got that information. They forwarded it to the DOJ. It was illegal for them to have this information. They used it to intimidate donors. I did not hear Mitt Romney when he was debating Barack Obama. I did not hear him say that is an obscenity to use the power of the Internal Revenue Service to sway an election, to keep people from being involved in the electoral process. Mitt Romney was toothless and afraid to say these things, but he somehow now finds great backbone and great courage to say this against President Trump. I did not hear Mitt Romney when he was debating Barack Obama to say, you stole ownership in an automotive company, I think it was Chrysler. You stole it from secured creditors. You broke 168 years of bankruptcy laws. I think it was 168. And you stole it from secured creditors, and you gave it to your biggest campaign backers, the unions. You stole equity in companies to reward people who knocked on doors for you. I did not hear Mitt Romney say to Barack Obama, you provided the SEIU and others access to the Obamacare database through a company called Catalyst so that they could use that database for voter contact. They were supposed to be using it to go out and tell people their so-called benefits under Obamacare, but it was used for, the design was for, campaign-oriented activities using government resources. I didn't hear Mitt Romney say, using this obscene pseudo-law, Obamacare, and that database to sway an election is a perversion of the Constitution, but somehow he found the backbone, so-called, to vote for one article of impeachment, abuse of power. How many abuses of power did I just detail on this program? And I can continue to do it. I can talk about using U.S. tax money. And I believe it was a guy named Jeremy Byrd. I know it was an Obama operative to go to Israel and personally meddle in their elections. I did not hear Mitt Romney, now that we know that Barack Obama allowed the Taliban and Hamas to smuggle drugs into our country so he could claim to have a peace deal, as was detailed in the Politico in an article about Project Cassandra. Mitt Romney, don't you tell me about abuses of power when you took a knee to that stuff when you were debating Barack Obama or pretending to debate him. It's Todd Herman in for Rush Limbaugh on the EIB Network. It's Todd Herman in for Rush Limbaugh at 800-282-2882. We're going to go live now to the president of the United States via Fox News. Uh, We probably deserve that hand for all of us because uh, it's been a very unfair situation. Uh, I invited some of our very good friends, and we have limited room, but everybody wanted to come. We kept it down to a minimum, and believe it or not, this is a minimum. Uh, But a tremendous thing was done over the last number of months, but really if you go back to it over the last number of years, we had the witch hunt. It started from the day we came down the elevator, myself and our future first lady who's with us right now. Thank you, Melania. 
And it never really stopped. Uh, we've been going through this now for over three years. Uh, it was evil. It was corrupt. It was dirty cops. Uh, it was leakers and liars. And this should never, ever happen to another president, ever. I don't know that other presidents would have been able to take it. Some people said no, they wouldn't have. But I can tell you, at a minimum, uh, you have to focus on this because it can get away very quickly. No matter who you have with you, it can get away very quickly. It was a disgrace. Uh, had I not fired James Comey, who was a disaster, by the way, uh, it's possible I wouldn't even be standing here right now. We caught him in the act. Dirty cops, bad people. If this happened to President Obama, a lot of people would have been in jail for a long time already, many, many years. Uh, I want to start by thanking some of, and I call them friends, because, you know, you develop friendships and relationships when you're in battle and war, much more so than, gee, let's have a normal situation. With all that we've gone through, we've done, I think, more than any president and administration. And really, I say, for the most part, Republican congressmen, congresswomen, and Republican senators, we've done more than any administration in the first few years. You look at all of the things we've done. I watched uh, this morning as they tried to take credit for the stock market from... From Think of that. Let me tell you, if we didn't win, the stock market would have crashed. And the market was going up a lot before the election because it was looking like we had a good chance to win. And then it went up tremendously from the time we won the election till the time we took office, uh, which was November 8th to January 20th. And that's our credit. That's all our credit. And leading up to that point was our credit because there was hope. And one of the reasons the stock market's gone up so much in the last few days is people think we're doing so well. They liked the State of the Union speech. President speaking live. Listen to the lesson of It really is. It's a true honor to give it. Uh, making the State of the Union speech, I was with some people that have been around. They've been all over the world. And one of them said, highly sophisticated person, said, you know, no matter where you go in the world, it doesn't make any difference. There is nothing like what I witnessed tonight. The beauty, the majesty of the chamber, uh, the power of the United States, the power of the people in this room. Uh, really an amazing even I don't think there is anything like that anywhere in the world. You can go to any other country. You can go to any other location, any other place. It's the beauty of everything. It's what it represents and how it represents our country. I want to start by introducing some of the people that are here. I know some are going to be left out, but they work so hard. And this is really not a news conference. It's not a speech. It's not anything. It's just we're sort of uh, it's a celebration because we have something that just worked out. I mean, it worked out. We went through hell unfairly, did nothing wrong, did nothing wrong. I've done things wrong in my life, I will admit. Not purposely, but I've done things wrong. But this is what the end result is. Yeah. 
You can take that home, honey. Maybe we'll frame it. It's the only good headline I've ever had in the Washington Post. But every paper is the same. Does anybody have those papers? Does anybody have them? Because they're really uh, like that, so I appreciate that. Uh, But some of the people here have been incredible warriors. They're warriors. And there's nothing from a legal standpoint. This is a political thing. And every time I'd say, this is unfair, let's go to court. They say, sir, you can't go to court. This is politics. And we were treated unbelievably unfairly. And you have to understand, uh, we first went through Russia, Russia, Russia. It was all bullshit. (laughs) We then went through the Mueller report. And they should have come back one day later. They didn't. They came back two years later after lives were ruined, after people went bankrupt, after people lost all their money. People came to Washington to help other people. Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, I say. They came, one or two or three people in particular, but many people. We had a rough campaign. It was nasty. It was one of the nastiest, they say. They say Andrew Jackson was always the nastiest campaign. Uh, They actually said we topped it. It was a nasty. It was a nasty both in the primaries and in the in the election. But you see, we thought after the election it would stop, but it didn't stop. It just stopped. Oh, we've been listening to the president of the United States, and we'll get some of that audio for you later. But the president of the United States is in a stellar mood, a relaxed mood, a copy of the Washington Post in his hand. Wait, do I hear tearing sounds and screaming in the background? It's Pelosi. Keep her away from the podium. It's Todd Herman filling in for Rush Limbaugh on the EIB Network. Well, it's always an honor to fill in for Rush Limbaugh, particularly as the mayor of Reelsville is out doing uh, what needs to be done so that he is permanently back uh, with you, which will happen soon. I just wanted to just personally thank Mark Stein. Uh, and he doesn't need my thanks or approval, uh, but for what he said uh, the day that he filled in for Rush after Rush made his announcement. And speaking of that, we'll talk to people on the phones in just a second. Just a reminder, the boss himself told the team, let's stick to the content programming. Mega prayers, Mega dittos, all that is welcome, but Rush wants the show to be about the show. One last thought on Mitt Romney, and we're going to go to the phones. Mitt, you are one of the key reasons why people voted for Donald John Trump, because you are the author of Obamacare, which you called Romney Care. You called yourself a severe conservative. Everybody knew that was a lie because no one says. Oh, I'm a I'm a severe gun owner. Oh, I'm a severe free marketeer. It was subliminal in you. You were uncomfortable with conservatism. The one point, Mitt, that you scored during the debates against Barack Obama, where you refused to mention his rampant, unconstitutional, unconscionable abuses of power, some of which I detailed in the monologue segment of the program, including using the IRS to crush conservative political operatives. The one point you scored is when Barack Obama said that you had offshore accounts and you said, so do you. That's who you are, Mitt. You're a businessman. Nothing wrong with that. You are not a conservative. You are not a man with political principles. You are a man who is the effective equivalent of hair gel. Your job is to make something look shiny and good, and you fit the form of whatever it is to which you are applied. 
That doesn't mean you're not a good family man or a nice man, but you are not, not a political leader in my judgments. Go to telephones. Joan in beautiful St. George, Utah. Joan, you're on the Rush Limbaugh program. It's Todd Herman filling in. Hi, Joan. Hi. Just uh, commenting on the disgraceful uh, Mitt Romney. Uh, hopefully there'll be a recall. It's being talked about. He's disgraced Utah. He's disgraced his religion. He has no faith, and he, he's disgraced all of us. I have talked to so many people, and everyone that I have talked to and know from northern Utah, southern Utah, are absolutely appalled at his behavior. He gave us Obama because he was such a wimp, and we donated some pretty good bucks to his campaign. Trump supported him in his presidential run, and then for senator, he asked for Trump's endorsement, which Trump gave. Unfortunately, and mega prayers to Rush. Mega prayers and mega thanks to you, Joan. I appreciate that. I heard from my mother-in-law, who sometimes texts me during the show, words of encouragement. Often she tells me to speak slower. Uh, Mary lives in Utah, and Mary told me that Utahns now hate Mitt Romney, that they're disgusted by Mitt Romney. Just as Jonas said, I understand there's an effort underway to recall Mitt Romney in the state of Utah. If he had a consistent pattern of doing these things, like this was a principle of his, that would be one thing, but it's not. Again, just another example of when Mitt could have said during the election when he was debating Mitt Romney. I mean, uh, Mitt Romney, I was actually, Mitt Romney was debating Mitt Romney. But when Mitt Romney was debating Barack Obama, he could have said to him, are you going to continue to allow Hillary Clinton to sell the State Department? Mr. President, are you going to continue to allow Hillary Clinton to sell the State Department through Clinton Foundation donations? He could have gone to them and said, he could have said on stage, you sold the country of Haiti to people who wanted to build wireless networks. Never forget this. When Haiti was destroyed um, you know, with the, with the hurricanes, he, Obama, allowed the Clinton Foundation and Friends of Bill, etc., to prioritize building Wi-Fi networks, as I recall. So he could have done that, but he didn't. And yet, a phone call a phone call and he had no words for the bidens this is and this is why something you must understand about the Mitt Romney style politician in Washington DC there's one thing they're after which is marginally lower tax rates especially for their friends tom in Gillette Wyoming you are on the Rush Limbaugh program it's Todd Herman filling in hi tom morning todd dittos and prayers to rush uh, my question is, this morning, Speaker Pelosi commented that the president looked sedated during his um, State of the Union address. And I'm wondering if the next attack will be a 25th Amendment attack. Uh, yes, I could see that happening. I could see a lot of things happening because they're not going to give up. Tell people about the 25th Amendment and why you say that. Well, the 25th Amendment allows um, a president to be removed for incompetence, um, mental incompetence in doing the job. And uh, 
impeachment didn't work. Mueller didn't work. Um, they're going to do everything they can to undermine this president. And so it, now it'll be a publicity campaign that says that he's mentally incompetent, mentally deficient. Um, and, that, and that's my concern of what's yeah, going on. Of, of course, they've, they've floated that. There's this, this goof of a psychiatrist who should lose his license because he's never met the president of the United States who occasionally goes on, I don't know if you get this where you live in Wyoming, but there's this cable access channel called MSNBC. I think it's done out of a college dorm room next door to the closet. Keith Oberman does his little rants in for GQ magazine. Um, He goes on occasionally and pretends to understand the president's psyche, but could you think of a a, a person more suited to talk about mental incompetency than Nancy Pelosi? Wasn't it her? I, I don't remember the number exactly. I know it was her who said that every day 200 million Americans lose their jobs, which would mean in a day and a half, everybody had lost their job and probably was getting out of their jobs. Great call, Tom. Thank you very much for calling Rush's show. Incidentally, the mega prayers, the mega dittos, uh, that's, that's, that's what we want. Let's just keep the focus on the show. One thing you can do, and uh, again, I wanted to thank Mark Stein for this. Mark um, took, the, uh, took the microphone the day after Rush made his announcement about the diagnosis with advanced lung cancer. And Mark did such an amazing job of talking to you about what you mean to Rush. And one thing you can do, and, and, I, and Mark made it very clear, uh, he's, he's been filling in for Rush for 14 years. He made it very clear that Rush knows you, he feels you. I heard Rush say that, he feels you. Go to RushLimbaugh.com, okay? There's a special uh, section there called Special Notes for Rush. It's at the top left of the homepage. Write Maharashi a note. He values you, and he's made that very, very clear. David in Birmingham, Alabama, you're on the Rush Limbaugh program. It's Todd Herman filling in. Hi, David. Hi, Todd. How are you today? Uh, I, you know what? Right, uh, this, is, this, this is an right, honor sorry. to fill in for Rush, but today today it's even more so. So let's, let's get to your call, David. Yes, it is. Um, you know, I'm a native Alabamian. I love my state, and I can't figure out who I have more disdain for right now, whether it be Mitt Romney or Doug Jones, our senator. And, you know, Mitt's weak excuse of hiding behind God is what he's doing. He's not God happening to do it. He's hiding behind God. And you've got Doug Jones, you know, who's in office because he beat a candidate who couldn't win three years ago and Judge Moore. And, you know, he's out there and he says he has some reservations about voting. Well, isn't that kind of like in law where, you know, you have a, a reasonable responsibility of any doubt of guilt, you find them innocent? <laughs> Wait a minute. Are you going to bring law and due process into a into a uh, a program run by Nancy Pelosi? Are you going to attempt to apply legal standards I'm and sorry. due process? Yeah. What are you doing, man? What are you What are you old school, David? No, actually, no. Actually, I think it's because I've been watching too much of the the impeachment hearings. Yeah, and it just my blood pressure has gone up seventy five points. I think as a result. <laughs> But it blows my mind that you know, you've got these folks that, you know, that Mitt Romney, I mean, he's lying. I'm sorry, Mitt. Get, go to the, the, the Democrats. They'll like you better. And Doug <laughs> Jones, I mean, I mean, he's, he's mad at doing it because the Democrats yep. won't give him any money to campaign if he doesn't do that. Well, it sounds like uh, Doug Jones may be on his way out. Maybe he and Mitt Romney can team up and maybe do a, pit, a podcast uh, called Men of Low Principle. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it, uh, David. Thanks for calling Russia's show. It's Todd Herman in for Rush Limbaugh on the EIB Network. Welcome back to the Rush Limbaugh program. Todd Herman filling in. Acquittals have... <laughs> 
<laughs> they have consequences. Some of the consequences uh, are that uh, several Democrats who spoke to Fox News uh, were feeling dejected uh, in light of the fact that they failed to convict the president. They were never going to convict the president. Uh, they've also just completely outed themselves um, in terms of of uh, in terms of the American people. Uh, a CBS, I think a CBS News, but we'll get into this next hour in detail. Eighty-two uh, percent of independents supported the president's speech, the State of the Union speech. Eighty-two percent. And what are the what are the, the criticisms? One of the criticisms I read is that it was reality TV because the president of the United States brought people to the speech. Of course, you know that he gave our beloved Maharishi the uh, Medal of Freedom, high civilian honor. One can receive well-deserved, well, well as we talked about in the monologue, a little girl who's trapped in a failing government school. And look, up there's some fine government schools, but she's trapped in a failing one. And she can now go to the school of her choice because of what is effectively a voucher. They call that reality TV. You have, you have had how many illegal immigrants brought into the United States Capitol, seated next to congressional representatives who took an oath to the Constitution of the United States to support the Constitution and to, in, what, to well, aren't they supposed to enforce the laws? Aren't they, isn't that sort of part of being a lawmaker? When you write a law and it exists, you're kind of, I think you're supposed to like follow the law. I'll check on that. But I, I believe ethically when you're a lawyer and, or writing laws, I believe you're kind of expected to follow the laws. But the media considers what President Trump did to be reality TV. Well, there was a realism to it. And the reality is this. Independence, 82% approved of what they heard and observed and watched a president reach out to someone who should never be trapped in a government school. If you've never seen the movie The Cartel, you got to watch this. It's, it was based in New York. It was a, a liberal journalist, as I recall, did this movie uh, to kind of find out what was wrong with the public schools. He found out what was wrong with the public schools was the unions. When people didn't get accepted via lottery to some of the charter schools or magnet schools, the parents fell to their knees and wept. And the kids screamed in terror to be going to a school that's effectively in lockdown every day because of gang violence. And the president provides what is effectively a voucher, choice, competition, the same as the president has done in healthcare to demand that healthcare companies actually publish the price of procedures. Can you imagine buying a house and you ask a real estate agent, how much is the house? And they say, ah, oh, we can't tell you. A lot can go wrong. That's what they've been doing in healthcare. And they've been allowed to do it because they've got very powerful lobbyists. One other thing about Romney, we're going to get to the phone calls. One other thing Romney could have done since he's a businessman and said to Barack Obama, why did Obamacare outlaw surgeons? Building on to their practices. Did you know that Obamacare made it illegal for surgeons to provide capital improvement to their facilities? If you doubt me, go look that up. In fact, you, we may hear from a surgeon. I took a call from a surgeon when I was at the RNC who maxed out, double maxed out donation because he learned that he wasn't allowed to put in new equipment to the surgical facility. Why? Because he had to move into a hospital and become a union member. Abuse of power, Mitt Romney, right? Speaking of Mitt Romney, Steve in beautiful Salt Lake City, Utah. 
You're on the uh, the Rush Limbaugh program. It's Todd Herman filling in. Hi, Steve. Hey, good morning. Uh, I want, I'm going to let everybody in on a little secret. I am a Utah State Republican delegate. So I was at the convention when Romney was running. And uh, Romney moved to Utah one year before uh, Senator Orrin Hatch retired so he could become a resident. But so I went to Romney's uh, little meetings and talked to him directly about what he was going to do if he got elected and went to D.C. And he asked him specifically, are you going to be support the GOP or are you going to go to be a troublemaker? And he, oh, no, I'm going there to help the party. Well, anyhow, when we voted for him and another person, his name is Dr. Mike Kennedy, we, we voted who was going to be the senator on the ballot, and Dr. Mike Kennedy won. He won the ballot. He had the total number. So, it, But it was so close, we had to vote again. And again, Romney lost. So I want everybody in this country to know that, that we in Utah as delegates did not support Romney either. How did he get on the ballot? Because he had enough. One thing, when we went to the little meetings with him, he had everybody that showed up there sign a piece of paper. But that piece of paper was supposed to just be who the delegate is and who you are. But what it was, if you get a right number of signatures from people in Utah, you can make it on the delegate whether you win at the convention or not. That That's happened way too many times. But that's how he got on the ballot. In any other state, Romney could not have won. And he won for one reason only. He cheated. Cheated. Uh, Steve, that is a tremendous phone call. Uh, Thank you for calling Rush's show. There's the EIB network, folks. There's the reach. That's what you have with the largest radio uh, audience that's ever been amassed. It's Todd Herman filling in for Rush Limbaugh on the EIB network. It's Todd Herman filling in for Rush Limbaugh on the EIB network. 800-282-2882. 800-282-2882. If you want to call in, just a reminder, mega prayers or mega dittos, what the boss wants to hear, and let's get to the program because it's the program that matters. I just got the biggest kick out of, and it, it was it was made better when a uh, – this guy, um, there's a writer named Matt Iglesias, and uh, he's a liberal. He once got caught. He was doing one of the explainer things. Um where he was pretending to explain uh, Iraq and uh, and what was going on there. And a buddy of mine who was on ground intel for the United States Army caught the fact that Matt was, uh, was actually consulting things like Wikipedia and, and, and like um, Easy Maps and Iraq for Dummies because Josh zoomed in. And what Iglesias was doing is he was supposedly explaining uh, what was going on there. So Matt Iglesias said that he wanted to write about the Democrat response to the president's State of the Union address. And they called upon Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. And Iglesias said he wanted to write about it, but it was a boring speech. She actually talked about potholes, which is a legitimate thing when you are, you know, the transportation director or maybe on the uh, transportation committee of a city she talked about sending out a little boy to go fill them up todd herman on the eib network 
It is an incredible honor to fill in for Rush. Uh, Rush intends to return to the program tomorrow. The mayor of Reelsville, as he calls himself, is doing what needs to get done. And it's my understanding from the staff that Rush wants the program to be about the program. I know you love Rush. I love Rush. Um, he's well-loved. Just one request. When call in on the phones, 800-282-2882. couple ways to communicate your love. Mega dittos, mega prayers. Make it fast because the boss himself wants us to be about the programming. President of the United States spoke earlier. The newly vindicated President of the United States had himself a copy of the Washington Post. Held that up. and It says the President uh, Trump acquitted. And I wonder now if Nancy Pelosi has has I I understood that she was in a dumpster going through random papers and tearing them up. It's she can't stop. So I wonder if she's made her way over to the post yet. Uh, if there is you know uh, security uh, trying to stop her from doing that. I've been spending a little bit of time away from doing a regular radio show and been trying to determine what's next, what I want to do, and. I'd probably do something to radio, and I, I, you know, it is a medium I love because of Rush, but I've been spending some time with real people in a real parts of the country that is not Seattle, and living in Seattle is a bit like living in a Michael Moore movie written by Spike Lee, starring Barbara Streisand and produced by the Obamas as a special for Netflix. It's, it, is, it is that bizarre, so... What's been happening to me is I've been looking at the America that I think our president sees. When he goes to campaign rallies, I see a different President Trump. I see an energized President Trump. Not, not like this morning, he's perfectly energized. But I think that he sees an America you might see. And in, in seeing that, this, this has become sort of a, a, I guess, realization for me. And I wanted to share it with you because I think it speaks to the core difference between a, a core difference between conservatives and progressives. Progressives believe that with enough stacks of paper, enough enough laws and diktats, uh, enough perversion of natural law, enough ignorance of enforced ignorance of material biological fact, uh, enough of these things that they can finally gain control of the human spirits and crush it sufficiently so that they can then have perfection. Whereas you and I see something quite different. The Democrats speak constantly of structural racism. There's definitely racism because we're flawed human beings. We are flawed. Hence, we, I I come from a Christian perspective, so hence we need a savior. I need redemption every day because I'm a broken cat. This is who I am. That's who a lot of us are. But the Democrats speak of structural racism, which would mean that the walls are racist and therefore it can't be changed. They speak of 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 um, they speak of whiteness as a new form of original sin that can only be, of course, redeemed by joining one of the intersectional lobbies. You can never not be white, but you can become an intersectional ally um, and in that way sort of gain redemption. They see that America. Okay, and they peddle that America and they merchandise that America so they can gain power. Because I've been out of Seattle and I've been with real people, I've 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 been now looking at things in this way. Last night on TV, I finally got to watch the Super Bowl. So I watched well condensed version of it. Afterwards, I saw Patrick Mahomes, and I saw a number of African American players, but but specifically the quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs, saying to his coach, "Yes, sir." Not not because he's forced to do it, but because he feels such deep respect for Andy Reid. 
I saw them talking afterwards. The look in that young man's eyes for Andy Reid was a look of admiration and friendship and respect and love and likewise with Reid. Two men who come from vastly different backgrounds. The, the left would want to focus on skin color, etc. They come from vastly different backgrounds, except they are united in a love for something. And that something is a form of excellence. So you see in Andy Reid, Andy Reid, the, the, the coach of the, um, the, the, the Kansas City Chiefs, is not going to run a 4-4-40, and by that I mean 4.4 days. He's not going to run a 40-yard dash in 4.4 days. That's not who he is. But he has an admiration for the skill and the smarts and the situational awareness of this great young quarterback. And together they built this team. See, the Democrats will peddle a vision that that can never be done. They will peddle a vision that, that, that ignores sports because sports has a purity to it. That there is a purity, a joining of focus. I look at this. I look at Rush back in the day. Do you remember Dr. Walter Williams, who used to fill in for Rush? Um, great, great African-American thinker and an intellectual, an explainer. And they are joined, again, vastly different backgrounds. They have joined or were joined in a respect for intellectualism and curiosity and a respect for conservative values and freedom and a knowledge that too much government means too small people, that too many rules and diktats mean not the perfection of the human race, which cannot be perfected, but a crushing of the human spirit, united in that from different backgrounds. But the left would tell you that that can't be done, that we must, we must find ourselves divided on race and, and gender, no matter how you view that. We must find ourselves divided by sexual orientation, no matter how you define that. We must find ourselves divided by the income we have today. Today. I don't know about you, but I go through shifts in income. Uh, there's been times where I've been a one percenter. There's been times where I've said, wow, where's the next paycheck coming from? You might have the same experiences if you live like I do, which is a little bit of risk reward. Right. Which is hey, right now. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what I do next. A lot of you are. A lot of you are in that position, even in this brilliant economy. There's an America I observe and specifically as I spend time in places like St. George, Utah, like the state of Idaho, like the state of Montana, that I see different with different eyes. There's another example. The United States of America, we're told by the left, as they start to build now a global intersectional movement against America, ponder this, that the left wants to have intersectional battles in America. They did the math. This was electoral math. Never, never confuse actual racism with electoral math. Someone in the Democrat Party said white men are going to be the minority. So let's become the party of everybody but white men. That's why they started to speak the language of white privilege and whiteness, etc. Even though Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders and Pete, Mayor Pete, what's his name? They look plenty white to me, as is Lizzie Warren. But of course, she's not a man. So they build intersectional battles to set us against one another and to have a scapegoat. Now, I consulted history. Now, maybe this is just me. I don't know. Maybe I'm not. I ain't, I ain't no book learned man. Well, I am. I ain't no college educated feller. But I looked into scapegoating. Did you know that's bad? That actually, that actually does bad things for countries. Who would have thought that taking one group of people 
and making them responsible for any and all ills in society could somehow go wrong. It's, 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 it's fantastical, and yet it seems to be a historical fact. So America, we're told, is that country, is this evil country. The global intersectional movement that our Democrat leaders want to join is anti-American. And yet this country is about 5% of the world's population. We have taken in roughly 20% of the world's displaced peoples. 20%. We provide, without any doubt, more official and unofficial aid to other countries, some of which should be stripped and cut and taken back for countries that don't like us and are actively trying to harm us. But that's in America I observe as I go spend time in places not the polluted West Coast. There's also this I observe. I can't tell you how many times, now that I've been outside of the Seattle area, that I've been told, God bless you. Not because I sneeze, but because people have said to me, God bless you. Or I've told them, yeah, we've gone through some struggles of late. And hey, well, God be with you. I'm getting that across the country. And yet we're told by our so-called leaders on the Democrat side that this no longer exists in America, that that in and of itself, in and of itself is a poison. And then I turn to, of course, our beloved Maharishi and the thoughts and prayers as Rush goes out and kicks cancer in the teeth. Thoughts and prayers. We're told that is evil. We're told that is not to be said any longer. It is to be sneezed at. It is to be laughed at. There's a real America. And this is bringing me to my point. Real Americans look at someone like a Mitt Romney. And they take his measure. This is a man who was for government-controlled health care when it had his name on it. When he thought it could help him and his legacy... Mitt Romney was all in for Romney care. Real Americans take a measure of a guy like that. And they say, this guy is like, I'm not saying he's slimy. In his personal life, I'm sure he's a nice man or he's very philanthropical. But as a politician, he fits any form. He is water. Mitt Romney is the political equivalent of water. It will find the lowest possible level. It will fill any form into which you pour it. Because it picks the path of least resistance. Don't think that this was the most resistance Mitt could have picked for himself by voting for conviction. It was the least because it got Mitt what he wanted, his name on the Rush Limbaugh program. Maybe Mitt will call in. Maybe Mitt will call in and defend himself. After all, I'm only a B-grade fill-in. Certainly, he could successfully defend himself in the debate against me. Certainly, right? It's Todd Herman in for the Rush Limbaugh program on the EIB Network. It's Todd Herman in for Rush Limbaugh on the EIB Network. Uh, you want to talk about the power of the network? I get to do this once per show. I, I'm going to just try something. So I will give out uh, in a second my Twitter uh, account. And I, this is just so amazing to watch uh, what happens in the power of what Rush and uh, Team IB, EIB have built. I just like to watch my, um, my, my followers go up. Not, I mean, yeah, it's nice to get followers. It's Twitter's platform. I just like to see the power of the network. If you want to follow me, it's at Todd E. Herman, T-O-D-D-E-H-E-R-M-A-N. Kathy from Dayton, Ohio, you are on the Rush Limbaugh program. It's Todd Herman filling in. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Todd. Um, first of all, a, a healthy ditto to Rush. But uh, I just wanted to encourage 
all of Russia's listeners, if you really want to do something for him uh, in a helpless situation, we just have to be sure that all Republicans are registered and that we all go vote and not take this election for granted. Don't sit home and say, I don't need to vote because it's a shoe win. And plus, it'd be nice to get the popular vote this time, too. But, um, yep. you know, the left is going to go to any means to get this election. And I just I keep hearing things about what a shoe in it is and how well he's doing. But we cannot take anything for granted. So I think if we want to do something for Rush, we get the vote out. I think that, I, I think for granted. I think that's a great way to say it, Kathy. And I want to I want to I want to bounce something off of you because I, I don't know that people really understand the stakes. OK, they understand that the Democrats want to control our health care. They understand that if, God forbid, the Democrats were to take the Senate, which I don't think they will, they would turn right around and re-impeach the president. We, we know those stakes. We know that they want to tax us out of oblivion. They know that they want to destroy the economy. These things we know. I'm going to ask you a true or false question, Kathy. Okay, you ready for this? Yes, I think. All right, all right. True or false? Uh, There have been two recent TEDx speeches. These are the speeches people go on and they're big thinkers and they all stand up and speak in the same way and use the same clicker with a PowerPoint. True or false? There have been two recent TEDx speeches attempting to normalize pedophilia. Hmm. Okay. True or false? Did that happen or not? True. It did. There is the stakes for what we're about to go through in this country, Kathy, because you make such a great point. The stakes are so incredibly high that in states like California, which has established some of these things. In states like Washington State, in Washington State, there are ballot measures, I think three of them, that establish so-called government health care centers in the schools to be run by groups like Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood, as I understand it, is doing these in California. The kids can go there without the permission of parents to apparently go get abortions. The... Same states like Washington State are forcing sex ed into the classrooms. And I will be very careful because this is a family show, but I will tell you, they're instructing kids um, as young as fourth grade to do together what kids do alone in their bedrooms, sometimes experimenting. They're, 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 They're saying it's very normal to do this. Planned Parenthood is normalizing sexually transmitted infections they are running ads saying that this is just normal everybody gets these ninth grade curriculum washington state and in california i think has passed these washington state they're under consideration actually go through describing um things other than 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 intercourse as abstinence not only that they give instructions now let me ask you this, Kathy. If you came upon an adult talking to a kid in fourth grade, saying to them, "Hey, have you ever talked about like you know touching your? You ever touch your privates with other people?" If you saw an adult talking to a fourth grader saying that to them, how quickly would you call nine one one? Oh, immediately. I lived in Washington State for ten years, and I've seen a friend of mine posted on Facebook the 
pictures of what are in the sex ed books that they're going to put in the schools. And, and it's, it's horrific. Kathy. It, it honestly looks like porn. Kathy, it is porn, and it is grooming. And this is why I wanted to talk about the stakes. I want to thank you for the call, Kathy. You make a great point. One of the things we can do for Maharashi is one of the things we can do for the country. This is to get out and vote. I want to communicate to you the stakes of this. This garbage and this filth starts in California, comes to Washington State. The national groups want to push it into your state. The stakes are so very high. I asked Kathy the question I did about the TEDx speeches attempting to normalize pedophilia because this is something that is going to be a next stage. They're speaking of it as a, as a, a sexual preference. And therefore, now the next stage will be, this is just one of us, right? These are folks just, just like us. There's already groups trying to normalize this. So I view what's going on in these states as a form of grooming. And the fact of the matter is, in the real world, if you saw an adult showing pictures like that to a fourth grader and asking them, hey, have you ever tried this with friends? You'd have the person arrested. If I mean, you might even just go punch the person straight up in the mug. I think I would. Uh, Chris in West Wesley Chapel, Florida, you are on the Rush Limbaugh program. It's Todd Herman filling in. Hi, Chris. Hey, hey, great show. Uh, mega, mega prayers to Rush. Um, I, you made a great point earlier, Todd. You said that what you, you actually paraphrased what you thought Romney should have said to Obama during the uh, debate, uh, whatever it was, uh, back in 2012. Yep. And my question is, Rush has been talking about this for months now, that this Republican Party, that, that Trump has shown them the way, that they don't have to be playing defense all the time, that they need to be on offense. And I think the impeachment now hopefully has opened a lot more people's eyes. My question to you is this. Do you think enough of the Republicans have gotten the message and that they are going to be on offense more and more aggressive whenever they are unfairly attacked and and marginalized and and, and, in this way from the Democrats? Okay, uh, I think that some of them are. I don't know that they've got the uh, the stones to do it in full measure, but you bring up an absolutely great point. And, Chris, uh, I'm going to get to this when we come back uh, from the break, and we're going to use Chris from Wesley Chapel, Florida, to inform the ways in which conservatism frees people and why, why Republicans should start to get up in people's faces and how they should. It's Todd Herman in for Rush Limbaugh on the EIB Network. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it so much. Uh, 800-282-2882 if you want to join the program. And uh, just a note to callers, I so appreciate you guys uh, with the mega prayers or mega dittos. Uh, the boss himself asked the team, hey, let's, let's keep the show going. Um, the mayor of Realville, as I'm corrected on Twitter, thank you for that, not Reelsville. The mayor of Realville is doing what needs to get done so he can get down to the business of kicking uh, cancer in the teeth, which I'm sure he's doing today. He intends to be back tomorrow. You can do something. Uh, another thing you can do. Go to RushLimbaugh.com. There is a special uh, area on the top left hand of the homepage, left hand side. It says special notes for Rush. Uh, Mark Stein uh, had made very, very clear that Rush, he loves these. I've heard Rush say... He can see you and he can feel you. Uh, and I just I, I just know these words mean a lot to him. So please go do that. Uh, we were talking about the stakes. We we're talking with someone in Florida about the stakes. Will Republicans stand up? Will they actually take the president's model and stand up? I want you to hear a call here. We're going to talk to a gentleman in New York. And you tell me 
if Republicans you know in your states, because in Washington state, they're afraid of this. There's a few Republicans who are standing up against this, but the leadership in Washington states of Republicans, they're afraid of this topic. This is Phil, um, New York City, who's just published an article about the normalization of pedophilia. Uh, He says it's more insidious than a lot of folks think. Phil, welcome to the Rush Limbaugh program. Todd Herman filling in. Hi. Thank you so much. And uh, first, I want to say that my prayers go out for Rush, and we're all pulling for him. Thank you. Yes, of course. And uh, you heard my address about what's going on in Washington State, the TEDx talks, this attempt to normalize uh, pedophilia. Can you talk about this and, and how this is happening? What's going on is that most of the academic journals, years ago, academic journals would accept anything that was um, about the issue on either side. But presently, the journals are really being controlled by editorial boards that do not allow anything other than their point of view. And right now, what they're saying is, is that pedophilia is actually a sexual orientation, the same way a heterosexual or homosexual is a sexual orientation. But it's simply not true. Sexual orientation has to do with whether or not you're a male or female, and if you're attracted to a male or female. Pedophilia has to do with the type of libido satisfaction that you have. And in this case, it has nothing to do with sexual orientation. If a pedophile is, is uh, assaulting, if you will, a, a boy, he's still, uh, and if he's a male, then he's a homosexual. But again, it's very, very difficult for anyone with a different point of view to go against these individuals because they control the research journals. In turn, these articles are then put into college textbooks, and then they're put out as fact to our students. And there's very limited knowledge on the other side. And, and what the point of view, as I understand it, Phil, that's, uh, that's beginning to filter down is that uh, uh, pedophilia, they want to call a sexual orientation. And therefore, it's something that uh, largely men cannot help but have. And I've read, I don't want to say the name of it, I truly don't, but I know Slate had published, or was it Salon, one of the two, had published a blog by a guy who says he's a pedophile, but he doesn't act upon his urges. Then I see these TEDx talks. I see the drag queens um, in in uh, libraries. It's all of a sudden, the national effort, all of a sudden, it's very important that we have men dressed like women who are gyrating in obvious sexual fashion. One woman allowed her, her, her I believe, the daughter to roll around on top of this, this, uh, this drag queen who appeared to be aroused in the pictures that I saw. This is all of a sudden, it's a national movement. This is at libraries. So it, um, is it that... Really be- isn't a, it really isn't a national movement. It's these limited individuals that are doing this, but they are controlling the media. The same way CNN controls the media and what they, what they produce, it's being done through the academic journals, which is actually more insidious because it's finding its way into college textbooks and it's finding its way into high school textbooks. And, and the textbooks then uh, have become sort of journals of opinion. And, and I just want to say this, and, and Phil has written an article, published an article about the normalization of pedophilia, calls us from New York City. Um, I, I recall this test a couple of, I think it was seven academics did. Um, they were far less, uh, far left academics. They wanted to show how out of whack uh, the gender sciences, so-called sciences, and the sexual left was in regards to these publications. They wrote pretend term or pretend research papers 
lied about what was in them. And one of their theories was that dogs at dog parks who are, you know, uh, jumping on one another and, you know, gyrating on one another, that 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 was a a um, a fact of um, American rape culture that dogs were doing this. Um, they got these things published and accepted into these so-called academic journals. And then, as I recall, those academics themselves, the guys who they, they went out to show how corrupt these uh, journals of the sexual left are in academia, I believe they got censored. They got they got in trouble. Is that not true? That is actually true. I'm very familiar with it. In fact, one of those journals that was publishing when they sent in the petition, and they were wild ideas. The theories were simply not valid at all, and they were beyond the scope of, of rationalization, but they got published. Actually, one of the articles that uh, the article that I had published was given to one of those journals. I did not find that out until later on when I uh, received a review of my article. And in that particular journal, they had said to me that I was homophobic and transphobic, and that's why they can't publish my article on the idea that pedophilia is not a sexual orientation. That's, that's very true. In fact, once those names, those individuals, unfortunately, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they're from England, um, they are now blacklisted. Yep, so and that's yep. the same way when I called in here. I, I don't really want my name used. Yeah, is because once you are blacklisted, you're not going to publish again. They are controlling the academic journals, which no one is really looking at. No one is really taking a look at. We look at the media. We look at CNN and all all the media outlets, but we're not looking at the academic. And people are being promoted at college campuses based upon this type of publication. Exactly. Exactly. Phil from New York City. I want to thank you for calling Rush's show. Thank you for writing papers like that. And now I want to loop this back over. Thanks for the call, Phil. I want to loop this back over to our friend uh, from uh, from Florida. Asked us, are Republicans going to take the president's model and step up and get in people's faces? I am asking you in uh, in Rush's audience. Do you hear Republican office holders calling that out? Do you hear Republican office holders saying, I'm curious, why is it important to have drag queens in libraries? Do you hear that? Uh, do you hear office holders saying, I'm curious, why is it important to have the schools teach beyond biology, but to encourage, literally encourage sexual experimentation amongst children? I'm curious, why is it a good idea to in states like California and Washington, and for all I know in New York, maybe it is going on in New York, it's going on in the liberal states, to encourage kids that if you're uncomfortable talking with your parents about sexuality, go talk to a teacher. Do you hear Republicans standing up against this? So are they going to take the president's model? Yes, I think they will on some things like regulation. Yes, I think they will on things like the border. Yes, I think they will on things like sanctuary states. By the way, I love what DHS is doing in in, in New York. I love what the Department of Homeland Security is doing to not the citizens of New York. It sucks for you guys. It's your government. What they're doing, we're going to get into that later in the show. So are they going to stand up like the president has modeled Yes, but will they stand up to the sexual left, which is now moving into the schools in this rampant way? My experience is they won't because a lot of them are on the payroll, right? They are. And it is a, it, this is, by the way, a, they, they were so uh, freaked out about, you know, kids being put in, in enclosures. 
because their parents brought them into the country, parents separated from their kids. And, and yes, we don't want that, so don't bring your kids here. But Obama did the same thing. But they're separating kids from their parents mentally. Separating them, saying, we're the fun parents. Everything goes, and you can go you know, to the school and look at these pictures. In fact, we'll show them to you, and we'll have a good old time talking about them. The left continues its march. When will they be held accountable? Well, guess what? Acquittals have consequences, and I'm seeing those consequences begin to play out, particularly with what the Department of Homeland Security has told New York State. We'll get to that coming up next. Todd Herman in for Rush Limbaugh on the EIB Network. It's Todd Herman in for Rush Limbaugh on the EIB Network. Rush intends to return tomorrow uh, and make it all make sense for us. BW in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. You are on the Rush Limbaugh program. It's Todd Herman filling in. Hi, BW. Hey, Todd. How you doing, man? Doing great, man. What's up? Well, I wanted to um, share something with you that kind of made me laugh, and then it kind of pissed me off. Yesterday afternoon, I believe it was on Fox, uh, Hillary. they showed a clip. Hillary Clinton was on Ellen DeGeneres, and she and Ellen had asked her, asked Clinton about, you know, how she felt about the impeachment. And Clinton remarked, and I couldn't believe she actually said it. She said, well, the man needs to be held accountable. They need to be held accountable. And I thought to myself, wait a minute. If that ain't the pot calling the kettle black, <laughs> when is she going to be held accountable? When will any of these <laughs> Democrats over the last three years, from Comey to Clapper to all these, you know, um, people, when will when will they ever be held accountable? Or are they so insulated from the law they well, never well, have to answer for anything? They, see, here's the thing: is that the that there has been an agreement forever in Washington D.C. You don't prosecute ours; we don't prosecute yours. You don't go after our donors; we don't go after your donors. There, there you got to understand that there is a class of person in D.C. Um, who, who, who still thinks that the Democrats are going to go out and it's about elections? They don't understand that it's about uh, revolution. They don't understand that we are in a what I refer to, and this is me. This is Todd Herman. It's not Rush. It's me. I think we're in a state of cold civil war. And I think that the tug of war we're experiencing for a country, you just map it. It's now down into um, the, the things that are so very personal. And here's why. You can argue about tax rates. Should they be 15%? Should they be 12%? Should it be a fair tax? Gosh, yes, it should be a fair tax. You can argue about foreign policy. Should we put boots on the ground or not boots on the ground, etc.? You can't argue about abortion unless you do what the Democrats do, is they take it more and more extreme. Because you can't say, well, abort part of the baby, right? You still kill the baby. So what they're doing is pushing these in, these initiatives that are about the things closest to us, that is our families, this excursion into the public schools to teach what is, what's my opinion, it's grooming, that they're doing this because it's so personal and it's so divisive because they that's what they're about. So there is a class of people in D.C., who are afraid to hold the Democrats to account because they're afraid they will be held to account. Donald Trump is not that person. Okay, He's not part of that club. Therefore, things like what's going on in New York. BW, thank you for the call. You're starting to see that acquittals have consequences. Go vote. 
commit today to get five Republicans who are leaning in the fence. 82% of independents agreed, this is a CBS poll, agreed with the president's speech, the, the State of the Union speech. 82% of independents contact your independent friends. Get them to vote based upon some things that most Americans understand is insanity. In the state of New York, the Department of Homeland Security, and look, I have a lot of friends in New York, and I'm sorry that you're going to go through this, but this is your government doing this to you. In the state of New York, um, the Department of Homeland Security is no longer going to let New Yorkers enroll in a lot of the expedited travel programs. Right, So you go to the airport, uh, you get in through a special line, etc., that's, that's, that's no longer going to be available to you because your government has said to the feds, we're going to block you from looking into these common databases. There are common databases such as Nexus um, that allow the feds to fast track the effort to get out of our country violent, criminal, illegal immigrants. So because New York is blocking this based upon intersectionality, based upon the worst sorts of pandering, right? This is a protected class of criminal. They get to break the law. Where in New York City, if, if you know, you, you will pay more for a parking ticket than a legal immigrant will suffer in New York State, New York City, for being in the country illegally and then committing subsequent crimes. So DHS is not going to enroll people in this program. Acquittals have consequences. Elections have consequences. If you want to see sanctuary cities brought to account, you must take advantage of this moment where 82% of independents agreed with the president's speech. You must go to your independent friends and say, will you commit now to vote the way you feel about the speech? Doug in Trenton, New Jersey, you're on the Rush Limbaugh program. It's Todd Herman filling in. Hi, Doug. Welcome to Rush's show. Hey, prayers for Rushbow. Hey, uh, I thought it was great that President Trump mentioned he's got 500 miles of wall up, which will prevent human trafficking in our country, which Epstein was trying to provide. Uh, one of his captives has a blog, Doug Sattel, S-I-T-T-E-L, on Google. If you scroll down to the picture of the hand over the glass, captioned, Police Admit, uh, she has a blog, says high school goals target for marketing. And- okay, I appreciate the phone call. Thanks for that, uh, Doug. Uh, Rick in Waterman, Illinois. You're on the Rush Limbaugh program. Uh, welcome to Rush Show. It's Todd Herman filling in. Hi, Rick. Todd, doing a great job. I really appreciate your energy, your uh, your wit, and your uh, your vast knowledge. Uh, and uh, of course, prayers for Rush. Very heartfelt prayers. Um, what I wanted to say is that Romney. I know it's not an original comment, but essentially it's POTUS envy, but it's with Mitt's new angle, which is the angle is. He wants to differentiate himself because he does not want to be the follower. He wanted always to be the leader. And this is his way of differentiating himself from the back. I'm sorry, you laugh. No, you I'm did. Glad. Oh, Rick, that's beautiful. In absence of real leadership, I will, in fact, do what I think a leader would do. Okay, Rick, we've got to talk about that more. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you go, but I want to address this when you come back. Thanks for holding. That's brilliant. Rick Waterman, Illinois. That's a brilliant point. We'll talk more about it. We come back. It's Totterman in for Rush Limbaugh on the EIB Network. Totterman for Rush Limbaugh on the EIB Network. And the President of the United States went to the podium today. And we joined the speech live. And he held up a copy of the Washington Post. President Trump is acquitted. And the copy of that Washington Post, I would like to see the President purchase uh, a whole stack of these 
and send them to Mitt Romney. I'd love to see him sign them, this stack of papers. He could send it to Mitt's office in Utah. I don't know that he's ever there. He's probably in just Washington, D.C. more. But send Mitt Romney a note and say, listen, why don't you drop by the Oval Office? And you you and I can have a chat. I will let you know what it's like to have people observe you as in office being consistent. Because President Trump has been a model of consistency. He ran as who he is. He has governed as who he is. Mitt Romney has never done such a thing. And he could send that to Mitt Romney because as a caller just made the point, and this is a brilliant point, Rick made this point, Mitt Romney is doing what he thinks a leader does. I know that because he never did these things against Barack Obama. All right, so next hour, I want to get into impeachment and consequences of acquittal and what President Trump can do with your help. It's Todd Herman in for Rush Limbaugh on the EIB Network. Let me welcome you and thank you for putting up with me as I fill in for Rush, who is out doing what needs to get done. And uh, 800-282-2882 if you want to join the program. It's a joy to talk with you Lots of people have been great calling up and just saying mega prayers, mega dittos. That's what the boss wants, wants the show to be the show. And it's an incredible day to watch the president's. I, I don't know. It, we, we went to the speech live. Uh, the President Trump went to speak about being acquitted. And I saw in the president's um, a relaxation. And I saw in the president's a, uh, a true and complete joy at this. But I also saw a man who is quite aware of what they attempted to do to him. And this is the part that gets me about Mitt Romney. Now, I have never been a fan of Romney. And it's because I've always sensed in him someone whose principles in a personal realm uh, are, are fine. He's a great father. He's a philanthropist. Uh, he's a good businessman, maybe a, a great businessman. But in the public sphere, he is a guy motivated to be loved. He's a guy motivated to be seen as a leader. He's a guy who is not particularly leadership quality when it comes from a political perspective. That's because true leaders from a political perspective are people who carry a set of principles that are immovable. Now, that doesn't mean that they can't compromise to get a deal done. Ronald Reagan did that. Ronald Reagan's birthday is, by the way, today. And uh, we remember Reagan very fondly. You take a Mitt Romney and look at his career and try to find the thread that connects it. Try to find who he is. You in business, there's a saying. You show me your budget, I'll show you your priorities. Okay, you examine a business's budget. Look at Mitt's career in politics and tell me what his priorities are from a perspective of leadership. This is a man who debated Barack Obama. This is a man who ran against Barack Obama. I did not see in Mitt Romney. This steadfast belief in the Constitution and this steadfast frustration with abuse of power. And yet, when Eugene Robinson, a journalist from the Washington Post, I believe, was on with Brian Williams, they suddenly saw this great, great prayerful principle that Mitt Romney has. Let's roll that clip. 
he had made a solemn oath and he took that very seriously and that's a rare thing and if that's I a rare thing Garrett Haig who came days. to know him said that it was central to his life and to who he was a lot of the other 99 uh, insist that faith is central to their lives right. they were not so burdened uh, by the oath they were not so burdened by the oath. Brian Williams reads into Mitt Romney that his faith is pure and genuine. All the other 99, their faith is not pure and genuine. If this is an issue of religious faith, and I'm not the guy to go out and preach religion, etc. I'm a broken cat. I need my faith. I need my redemption. I pray for it on my knees on a daily basis. But if this is Romney's core conviction and it is driven through his religion, how did he contain himself during the debates against Barack Obama from saying to him, Mr. President, I need to stop you? What you did to supporters of the Republican Party and to conservatives by loosing the IRS on them is an incredible abuse of power. It is an unconstitutional abuse of power. And you use the fearful, uh, the fearsome IRS to destroy people. And I think you owe America an apology for that. Mitt Romney did not do that. So apparently at that time, has his religion shifted? I, I don't think so, because I've heard that Mitt is very, very serious about his faith, and that his faith does not inform his politics. If it did, if his faith impor- informed his politics... How did his faith allow him in when he was governor to have Romney care? And then when he was running for president to supposedly decry Obamacare, where is the thread of his faith in that case? So you have President Trump, the you elected. And I will just be frank. I don't know that. I, well, I shouldn't say that because this is me judging just a fill in host. I, I, I would be curious to know how successful President Trump would have been without this program and without this audience pushing it forward. I, I, I would be curious to know that. But you have in Trump a guy who had been at one point a Democrat, and it freaked me out. It did. Oh, wait, he was a Democrat. He was, he was pro-abortion. And yet we are so far into this administration that the man has governed in the way he said he would when he made promises to the American people. And you compare those qualities, this is why you have the polls that you do. 82% of independents support the speech they heard from the President of the United States. 74% of people overall, 30% of Democrats, think about that. 30% of Democrats support this. When was the last time that you had 82% of independents Go the way of this president. His job approval is up because what have people seen? They have seen what a leader does in the face of a storm. And you look at the face of a storm, or you look at scary times, what the leaders do, follow me. What the leaders do, they fight. They continue to act on the plan. The president's schedule today is packed with actual work. Not celebration. The By the way, the speech, that's work. The speech, talking about being acquitted, that's the, doing the work now of attempting to mend, in a way, what has been done. So, acquittals have consequences. If this audience and if this nation 
will back President Trump by going after every Democrat who voted for impeachment by making a goal of taking the House, of increasing the lead in the Senate, you will have an opportunity to see the consequences of acquittal. And some of those consequences should be these. There is an effort. Chuck Grassley is uh, working with some others to bring to him into his committee an examination of the Biden's activity overseas. They want to see the Secret Service documents of what were the Bidens doing over there, by the way. They want the Secret Service to talk about, well, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. When, the, when the, the, the children Biden were out using the United States resources, out gallivanting and making deals, what resources were used? So they want to look into this. And there is a consequence to the acquittal. And the consequence can be we now get to look into Biden, Inc. and the corruption that is there. That's a consequence. Another consequence is this. That you get to now examine big tech. This is a possible consequence if you will get behind this president like you did before, like you did and, and throughout the entire Russia hoax and the impeachment process. If you stand behind them, there is an opportunity to look at things like this. James O'Keefe of Project Veritas. You know James? He's the guy that does the undercover videos. He's the guy who surfaced Bernie supporters. These are, they're, not, they're not supporters. They're paid political operatives who are legitimately saying, yeah, I can see putting people in prison camps, and I can see, you know, maybe taking a few heads off here or there. We can't say that publicly. No, we can't go out. But they're saying it on camera. They're saying that they would be excited to do these things. James O'Keefe was suspended from Twitter for doing what Morley Safer on 60 Minutes used to do. He was suspended on Twitter for undercover camera work, which has been a hallmark of news programming, Dateline NBC, etc., except that James doesn't fake it like Dateline NBC did. You have an opportunity now to say, when big tech said we're platforms and people just put stuff up, we can't control it, they're controlling it. We don't have editorial input. They have editorial input. What they're doing is they are doing what's called an in-kind donation. So this is DC speak. This is this is non-cash donations. And what they're doing is a federal election commission crime in my judgment. I'm not a lawyer, but I've worked on the FEC enough to say when you are taking action to help one of the political parties in ways you don't help the other, it's an FEC violation. Now, if they just came out and said, look, we're leftists. We love Bernie Sanders. We're going to suspend anybody who criticizes Bernie Sanders. That's a far different matter, but that's not what they're doing. They're doing it secretly behind the scenes, and yet we can watch it go on if you are observing it. We have an opportunity to see the consequences of acquittal to bring the head of Twitter back and have him explain why are you suspending James O'Keefe for doing nothing more than news reporting. What was wrong with this? What caused the suspension? Show me the leftists who have gone through having their accounts suspended in such a way for doing nothing more than journalism. Right Now compare all of that, that consistency, that being who you are, you ran as a, as a, as a candidate, you've governed in the way you promised. Compare that to Mitt Romney. And tell me again that this is an issue of Romney's faith rather than Romney's desire to imitate 
what he thinks a leader does. It's Todd Herman in for Rush Limbaugh on the EIB Network. It's Todd Herman filling in for Rush Limbaugh. Rush intends to return tomorrow. So you got acquittals and you have consequences. Remember, it was Barack Obama who said, uh, look, uh, 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 elections have consequences. Well, uh, acquittals have consequences, too. And some of the consequences are yet to be seen, but they are largely dependent on this audience mobilizing like you have before. Now that we've seen the president govern consistently as he said he would when he ran for president. So what are some of the consequences we want to see now that we see the acquittal of President Trump? Gerald from Atlanta, Georgia, you are on the Rush Limbaugh program. It's Todd Herman filling in. Hi, Gerald. Hello. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Hello. Hi there. Can you hear me? Yep. Go ahead. Okay, this is, uh, Gerald. Uh, my question to you, or your take on it, is uh, the Bidens. Uh, Mr. Biden Senior has a history with Russia, going all the way back to when he was sent over there to start negotiations with the ICBM ABM, concerned to take down the missile proliferation. Uh, he went and talked with, had many meetings. From what I understand, I think it was only one, but it might have been many. Uh, with Andropov, who is the head of the KGB. Uh, purportedly, one of his students happens to be our now-day Putin, and the relationship, from what I understand, has not diminished over the years, as once you have a relationship with any Russian, no matter what government you're with, they're on you forever, because that's the way they treat their own. So my point to Mr. Biden is, and have him prove it to us, because you put up the point of what were they doing over there, the whole family working around is, it seems like he's the funnel, and that's why the Democrats are protecting him, is that they're getting their direct information and direction from Russia, and he's the funnel point where he gives it to Pelosi and the others, here, do this. Well, it, so what's your take? Yeah, no, I, I think that's, uh, I'm getting an echo, so we're going to uh, thank you for the call, Gerald. And I think that's what you're hearing. You're hearing echo as well. I think you're speaking towards consequences. Consequences of acquittal are these. If this audience mobilizes, can you imagine an actual investigation into Biden, Inc.? Can you imagine an actual investigation into the Clinton cash, which is so documented in the Schweitzer books? Can you imagine actually bringing them in to have to testify as to why they were there? Can you imagine drawing back the Uranium One deal with an investigation that is actually performed by people who've now seen what the Democrats will do with no facts, with no data? With no laws broken, literally no laws cited in the impeachment as having been broken. When you take a term like abuse of power and you define it, it's like musing a makeup made up word. It's like Dr. Seuss stuff. That's a that's a thingamathoth. Well, what's that? Well, it's this. When you describe the word, then you fill in the definition, or you invent the word, then you fill in the definition. It's whatever you want it to be. So in a post-acquittal world, you have the opportunity now to have true fundamental investigations. And I mentioned earlier, this is the details. Chuck Grassley and Ron Johnson from Wisconsin have sent a letter to the Secret Service Director, James Murray. Okay, They want information from when Biden was vice president, they want to have, number one, 
a list of the protective detail Hunter Biden received while his father was vice president. They want to know the agents. They want to know what they did. Number two, a list of all the dates and locations of travel, international and domestic, for Hunter Biden while he received a protective detail. In your response, please note whether our travel was in Air Force One or Two or other government aircraft as applicable and whether any family members were present for each trip. Acquittals have consequences. One of the consequences is Nancy Pelosi flipping her lid and tearing up pieces of paper and running through Washington, D.C., looking for ways to be more extreme. Another of the consequences of acquittal is the Senate getting to do this. Another consequence is five judges that Mitch McConnell has put up. These are some of the consequences. There can be others, and there should be others now that this worm has turned. Kelly in Oklahoma, you're on the Rush Limbaugh program. It's Todd Herman filling in. Hi, Kelly. Hi. Well, I was thinking, I have a Romney solution. I hope the president listens or gets this. I I think you should buy a little villa in Park City. You know, it's a beautiful area. You're going to need something to do at the end of your second term. And there's a Senate seat election open at that time. You should run for Because we really need you in the Senate after you, your two terms. Keep the Trump movement going. I'd say you see that, wouldn't you? Yes. Oh, you know, Robert. The only thing—I don't mean to do—you know—the one upsmanship. It's a brilliant idea. What if President Trump was just to send an intern, (laughs) just buy an intern a property down there? And say, yeah, you know what? This person will make a better senator for the state of Utah than Mitt Romney, and make a show of that. Oh, it would be absolutely brilliant. Did you, did you hear earlier? We had a call on Rush's show from a gentleman uh, who says he was uh, on the um, said the Republican committee down there, and the committee that Romney lost in the first two ballots, and then kind of used Skull Duggar to get back in. I love that. That's a great idea, Robert. Thank you very much for calling Rush's show. if you want to join the program. The consequences for acquittal are going to be up to you. One of the other consequences I'd like to see from the president is I do want to understand how the impeachment hoax got started. There's opportunities for this. I do think the whistleblower should be made public. I do think I'd like to understand if there's any consequence for lying to the FISA court. It's my understanding that if you or I went in front of a court, say the Supreme Court, and it turned out we lied, we might not be free to go on MSNBC and talk about our great moral standings. Acquittals have consequences. Let's talk about some of them. It's Todd Herman in for Rush Limbaugh on... Uh, Todd Herman for Rush Limbaugh on the EIB Network, 800-282-2882. If you want to join us, Robert's in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. You're on the Rush Limbaugh program. Todd Herman filling in. Hi, Robert. Afternoon. Good to talk to you. Yes, sir. So I was uh, just uh, thinking, you know, when this impeachment started and I was uh, listening to Hannity and Hannity said, you know, what's the end result here? What's the end game? And I was saying to myself, you know, the end game for the Democrats is this is going to be their 2020 platform. Because but for the corrupt Senate in the 2020 elections, we would have impeached the MFR. And I think getting on to Mitt Romney and watching how much MSNBC said on on Monday night, how much that Mitt Romney is now their savior. There you go. There you go. 
There you go. Exactly right. It's Totterman for Rush Limbaugh on the EIB Network. Oh, what an incredible honor to fill in for a man who has just meant so much to me. Uh, just, just hearing Rush uh, early on. I've talked about this in the program before. My, my job in high tech, in uh, working at Microsoft, that was due to encouragement I heard on radio from a guy I'd never met. Um, so getting to sit in for him is this incredible honor. I know you love Rush because I am, I'm, look, I'm a Rush baby. That's obvious, right? You can do something for Rush. One is to go out and vote, obviously. There's another. The team at EIB loves this man so much, and they also love you. I want you to understand something. This show is done every day for you, and because I get to talk with members of the team, even the senior members of the team, you can't believe how many times I hear you reference. The audience will want X. The audience will expect because they do this for you. There's something they've set up at RushLimbaugh.com. Go to RushLimbaugh.com, get to the top left-hand of the homepage. There's a link there, special notes for Rush. These mean something to Maha Rushi. Okay, Mark Stein made that clear in a brilliant, touching monologue a couple days ago. And Rush himself has said he sees you and he feels you. That's Go do that at RushLimbaugh.com. And on the calls, let's keep it just to mega prayers and uh, mega dittos and get on with the content of the program. Now, I, I was talking earlier about the fact that Twitter is one of those companies that can face consequences because acquittals have consequences. Now, I am as about as, as well, I'm a, a free speech advocate, I'm a free market advocate, and I'm also an advocate for companies following election laws, right, and choosing to be a platform, which is people post stuff we have no control, or an editorial entity. What I was suggesting is I'd like to hear from Jack and the CEO of Twitter. He is the GC of Twitter. I'd like to hear from him. Um, are you pulling favors for Democrats that you aren't doing for Republicans? Because if so, and you're not disclosing that, I see that as a campaign finance violation. Steve uh, from Anchorage, Alaska. Oh, man, it's my, um, my family's uh, hometown there. My, my mom's side of the family all over Alaska wants to join us and talk to us on Russia's show about that. Steve, welcome to the Rush Limbaugh program. It's Todd Herman filling in. Thanks, Todd. I appreciate it. You're doing a yeah, somewhat par job compared to Rush, but uh, <laughs> keep at it. You'll, you'll get the hang of it. Ah, this guy prays. He can't do it better than the king, right? All right, Steve, what's up? Exactly. My, my, I, have, I have to disagree with you. I think that the whole Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, those those platforms are are owned by a private, private individual, private company. They have a right to censor whatever they put on their platform, just like Rush has a right to censor uh, whatever he puts on his webpage. What, what, why, why am I... Wrong in that thinking. Well, wait. Now, did I say that they can't censor? Well, well, constantly people are in an uproar that they take conservative uh, viewpoints off their website. Why? Why is it wrong for them to censor what they put out on their own private private web page? Okay. Well, let's separate a couple things. Let's let's dig into this real quick. Is Twitter a platform that people post whatever they want? and Twitter has no control, or is Twitter a publisher? What I I don't know the answer exactly to that, but somebody owns well, okay. it. Don't well, they, well, don't they have well, that right? Wait, wait. Let's, let's slow down for a second, because I want to make sure that we, we go together in this. So there's a law called the Digital Millennium Copyright Act that allows companies to say, we're a platform, not an editorial entity. That way, we're not liable for anything anyone says. We don't have editorial oversight. Um, does Twitter have editorial e- oversight or not? 
I I I don't I don't do Twitter, so I don't. Okay, I so guess they would they would have that. Yes. Okay. You just said it yourself because they can censor. You're calling it censorship. All right. Right. So they they they've taken that. They're no longer a platform. So now they're in the editorial business. Now here's my question for you. If an editorial entity is saying, well, we are just, we're, we're publishing what people say, but in fact what they're doing is that they are communicating with Democrats to say, hey, listen, can you make sure, for instance, uh, that we can't see these things from Republicans? Or let's broaden it from Twitter. Let's broaden it to Google. Okay, I'll give you an example. There is a very famous quote Barack Obama said, which is, they bring a knife, we bring a gun. Do you remember what he said? That, look... Uh, you know, let, let's let's just do this. You know, get up on their faces. Uh, they, they bring a knife. We bring a gun. Do you remember when Barack right. Obama said that? Okay, you do remember. Try yeah. to find try to find the audio of that on YouTube. It's gone. Okay, okay. it's been okay. It's been disappeared. But, but you can find any anything that President Trump says that they consider a gaffe or Bush or anyone else. If well, I, what, I, not, I, I agree with that. Okay, but let me I finish. Mean, I agree with the fact that it's not there, but. But let me let me finish. As, let, okay. let me finish. Let me finish. If we found out that the Democrats had said to Google, "Will you take this down?" and they did, and they disappeared it, and they didn't do the same for Republicans, is that an editorial decision they've made, or is that a favor to a political party? Which one? Well, it would obviously be a favor. Okay. But I don't think it. I don't think it comes. I think it ultimately comes back to like who owns it, and they have a right to. Okay. I, I believe, just like I have a right to uh, accept whatever I have to come into my house, okay, or on my property. Okay. Why, why is it? Why is it a double standard? I, well, no, no, l- l- let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. The Federal Election Commission says, when you are coordinating with a political entity and you decide to do a favor for them that you're not doing for another. It's not an editorial decision. It's not a quality control decision. It's because a political party called you and said, hey, can you take down this quote from Barack Obama saying we bring a knife, or they bring a knife, we bring a gun. Can you take down the audio of him in his book saying that's just how white people will do you? If a political party asks for and gets a favor from an entity, that's called an in-kind donation. Do you think Google and Twitter should have to follow election laws, or should they be immune from them? Well, if it's a if it's a law, obviously they would have to follow it. But I'm not. I wasn't aware of a of a law like that myself. Um, so obviously, I'm I'm learning something as well. But it, it it just sticks to me that if somebody owns something, they should have a right. To, That's fine. Then let's. Like, then, uh, I have a right to put a uh, Trump uh, election poster or sp- sign on my yard, but then, and then, I don't have a. Then let's change the law. So, the law as it exists is if you're doing favors for one political party, you're not doing for another. If it's a material benefit to that political party in aid of their election. And you're doing it because it's a decision you made that's non-editorial, non-quality control. It's things you don't do for other people. You broke the law. So if you're breaking the law, I would suggest that you should have to pay the consequences for breaking the law. That's that's all I'm saying. Okay. so based on that, do we get anywhere near agreement uh, based on that? Yeah, I agree with you. The fact that if it's a federal law, that if 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 platforms such as Twitter, YouTube, Google, whatever, has to abide by that. I didn't know that, but 
it it kind of sticks in my craw the fact that it is public it's, it's it's a private piece of property and and i don't want somebody telling me i have to come put a democrat sign on my front lawn just because i have a trump sign on my front lawn just to be equal and fair yeah, and I, I, look, we're not disagreeing about those signs. What we're what we're talking about is a, a it's just a pure application of campaign finance law. And what I'm talking about is bringing in the CEO and saying, "Can we go down and see? Are you doing these favors? Do you want Twitter, Google, Facebook doing favors for Democrats that break the law when they won't break the law for Republicans? Is that what you want, or do you want an equal application of the law?" Well, thank you for the education. You're always learning right. something when I listen to Russia's show, and uh, <laughs> I appreciate it. All right. I think I got you, but you, you're just going to thank me for the information. You're not going to give me the victory, Steve. Thanks for the phone call. All I'm saying is this. It's not about stopping people from using their private properties. Get rid of the law. That's fine. Strike the Federal Election Commission law. But what's going on right now, and it's evident when you go look at how Google has disappeared things for the Democrats, for Barack Obama, it's clear as day that it's favors. And the acquittal should have consequences, like elections should have consequences. I simply want to see Jack and Mark Zuckerberg and those guys brought back in. And I want to understand, why did you disappear this video and that video and ban James O'Keefe and not others? Was there a favor called in? And if so... Seems like an in-kind donation to me, and I'd like you to correct that and do it for everybody or stop doing it. It's Todd Herman in for Rush Limbaugh on the EIB Network. It's uh, Todd Herman filling in for Rush Limbaugh on the EIB Network in an absolute pleasure. And I'm not clearly not Rush or anything like Rush. I just want to let you know I'm just seeing all of the well wishes uh, for him. And, of course, we all join in that. And I know it's very, very meaningful uh, for Maharashi himself. I've heard him say that. RushLimbaugh.com, top left-hand corner. You can leave a note for Rush. I know he'd appreciate that. You can also go there and see the video of Rush. Receive, I'm sorry. I Okay, I'm not going to cry. I was crying with some of the team earlier about this. To see that man, our dear Rush, so shocked when he shouldn't have been because he deserves that medal. Because the Bill of Rights, First Amendment uh, to the Constitution, are laid out in order of importance. And the top one is freedom of speech. I don't know that there's anybody who's done more take advantage of that right and to show why that right's important than Rush has done. So you can go to RushLimbaugh.com. You can watch the video of Maharashi as he is, he is surprised and heartened at receiving the Medal of Honor from President Trump. Anastasia in Wappinger Falls, New York. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's, uh, that's the uh, Al Sharpton, Tawana Brawley place, isn't it, Anastasia? Yes. Yes, that's where it is. Yes, exactly. Yeah. All right. Yes. So how's how's uh, the how's the so-called Reverend Al? How's he viewed up there? Oh, I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> I don't follow him. I, I'm sure I don't. <laughs> okay, good. Well, welcome to Russia's show. What did you want to say? Well, what I'm a little bit nervous about is the Democrats aren't stupid. So I knew that they knew that he would be acquitted. So my worry is that when push comes to shove, and when um, 
he wins the Electoral College and the popular vote, that they're going to say, Nancy Pelosi's going to say, I'm not going to accept this. He's not our president. He's too, he's too crooked and he's, he, he rigged the election. And throw our country into that kind of disarray. And that's a little bit frightening. No, it is frightening. I mean, you don't think Nancy would do such a thing to her country, do you? <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yes, okay. I do. Okay, so let me and ask this question. Frightening. It, it is frightening. I want to I, just just think about this. Think about this for a second, yeah. Anastasia. What does it say about Nancy Pelosi that you believe she would do that to this country? Um. Well, I do believe she's as um, I don't use the word often evil and. Mm-hmm. And uh, despicable that she would do something like that for power and yep. to, to stay in control. And because um, she really, they all do, they really just hate Trump so very, very much. And it's a reflection on how they feel about us as well. Okay. There's something else to this. that And and, and I, I, it, would she do that? I don't think she'd hesitate in a second. And... and yep. um, so I, I'm going to thank you for the call, and I'm going to just expand on what you said, Anastasia. I appreciate the call. I'm expanding what you said. Look at the chaos. Okay, there are people who benefit from the chaos. There are people who are inserting chaos. They're inserting chaos into our schools. They're inserting chaos into the electoral system. Since George W. Bush, they have said that Republicans are illegitimate when elected. They've already announced they continue. They will continue to try to attack President Trump on baseless grounds, impeachment-related grounds. People who instill chaos are looking to be the people who say, we will come and rescue you from the chaos. Instilling chaos in a family, in a church, in a business is never done for good. It is always done for power. That's what they seek. Nancy Pelosi, remember, she was willing to shove Obamacare down your throat without a vote. They worked on something she and Louise Slaughter called, we will deem it to have passed. They were going to say, well, it would have passed. We just didn't vote. Len from Central Illinois, you are on the Rush Limbaugh program. Todd Herman filling in. Hi, Len. Hi, Todd. How are you? Doing great, man. Well, first off, before I get to my point, I'll say this really quickly. Rush is a patriot and a statesman and probably the greatest voice ever out there for conservatism. And I love the guy. I mean, Good. I listen to him almost every day. Awesome. Now, let's get to, let's, the boss wants us to get to the point. My point is, and he would make this if he was on the air, I think. Miss yes, Romney mm-hmm. got up there and made a complete fool of himself, in my opinion. He got out there and stated that, you know, he searched his soul, he searched his heart, he searched his religion, and said about how much he was, he was, and I, I, I. What about his constituency? I never heard that word one time come out of his mouth. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Len, that's a brilliant point. And I should have caught it myself. That's an amazing point. Len, thank you so much for calling Rush's show. That's exactly right. Mitt Romney, I, I, I. It's Todd Herman filling in uh, for Rush Limbaugh on the EIB Network. It's always just an absolute honor to sit in on this program, which, uh, uh, trust me, I, I'm just like you. It's just meant so much to me. Um, 
And Rush Limbaugh is intending to come back tomorrow. As you know, Rush has been diagnosed with advanced lung cancer. As I said earlier in the program, Rush has not been diagnosed with lack of optimism. Rush has not been diagnosed with sadness. Rush will never, in my judgment, be diagnosed with such things because he is a man who wins because he believes he can, and he has this great relationship with God. And he's out doing what needs to be done to kick cancer in the teeth. And I'm reminded of this. My wife's grandmother, named Grace, was told by a doctor that she had six months to live. Grace was tiny, might have weighed 100 pounds, dark black hair, beautiful lady. She laughed in the doctor's face. She went, I believe it was to Hawaii, with her daughter. And then she lived another 40 or so years and never again thought of that doctor. The prayers for Rush are appreciated. RushLimbaugh.com, the top left hand, special notes for a Rush are appreciated. Mark Stein made that very, very clear. And Maharashi intends to come back tomorrow. It's been Todd Herman in for Rush Limbaugh on the EIB Network. 